You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense. Yes, a YN or a tight end to open up somewhere between six feet and nine feet to get an isolation with the with the linebacker. You tell the tackle to take the defensive end if he's over him. If he's not, to drive down on the first man to his inside. YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. If the YN has the linebacker here, he comes all the way around. If you look at this play, what we're trying to get is a seal here, and a seal here, and try to run this play in the alley. What's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email me, Packers Total Access at gmail.com. Text us 865-658-5824. I already made a mistake of peeking in the chat there and, and got a little tickled there. Tim, how you doing this evening? <laughs> doing good, man. Happy to be here. I know I see I see it right now, too. <laughs> you already. I love it. We're ready to roll. Yeah, they're already lit. We got United Bates in here. Peter Stone, uh, let's see, SDN40 in the house. Doug up in here. It just cracks me up. Uh, SDN40 says, just here for the free beer and the mock drafts. There you go. We 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 show up for the free beer. We stay for the mock drafts, right? That's, that's the, the rule of thumb. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Um, with that being said, Let's uh let's dive into some Packers talk here a little bit, Tim. I know we got a, we got several things we could hit on. We're going to try to get to the history segment for sure. But uh, <laughs> I'll tell you this: um, it was an interesting day on Twitter in the Packer Packers Twitter world, I should say. Uh, you know, Ryan went live earlier today, which was awesome to see Ryan slip go live mid afternoon. I was like, look at this, let's go. Just a little 10, 15 minute, whatever it was, giving you an update. You know, we've seen David Bakhtiari's name flying across Twitter several times today. Um, from a bunch of different accounts. Uh, some would, I guess you would say, reputable. Others, the majority of them were just aggregators, right? Uh, which those of you, anybody who follows on follows along on Twitter, there's several different aggregator uh, accounts that just kind of recycles the headlines, right? And it, it takes it all and throws it into one pot. Like, you know, I found myself looking at them where it's like, okay, what happened in the NFL today? It was this, 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 and this. Most of it, you'd need to dig a little deeper to get all the facts, just like, you know, anything, any kind of headline that's sports media in 2024, no doubt about it. But it was an interesting exchange between David Bakhtiari and Matt Schneidman and a, and a mystery man by the name of, I've heard some people say Dove Kleeman. I've heard others say Dove Kleeman. Who? Uh, whatever you want to call him uh, makes no difference to me, but uh, it just, it got really interesting today. So let's just kind of dive into it. First of all, I seen David Bakhtiari's name come across a couple of times. I thought, all right, maybe, maybe the, the decision was made, right? This is basically in reaction to the Matt Schneidman article that was wrote two days ago now that we talked about on the pod, where it's basically Matt Schneidman giving his opinion. And you know, what I took away from the article was Matt Schneidman. His opinion is they don't, he doesn't think they'll bring Bach back. Right. So, the original tweet that Matt Schneidman put out was the Packers will likely move on this offseason from their longest tenured player, a five-time all-pro left tackle with one year left under contract in Green Bay. So what's next on Jordan Love's blind side? Rasheed Walker again, a high draft pick. Story here at The Athletic, of course. All right. So later on that day, this was on February 15th, so it was three days ago, he quote tweeted his tweet, he being Matt Schneidman, and said, Brian Gutekinds will probably release a clear-cut future Packer Hall of Famer this offseason. Story on who it, who might be protecting Jordan Love's blindside in 2024. All right? So you kind of get – this is Matt Schneiden tweeting out an article where he thinks they're going to move on from David Bakhtiari. Am I off base yet, Tim? Is that what you took from that tweet and from the article? Well, he's, yeah, he's retweeting him his own article. Right. <laughs> he's, I mean – tweeting himself and – you know, this is where, like you said, it's on it's on us as uh, readers and, and uh, consumers, viewers, fans to do our, our homework because, you know, Matt Schneiman's a reporter, correct? 
Yes, yes, sir. Last I checked, yes, sir. So he's a reporter. All right. So is this op-ed or is this a report? So you have to look at you have to look at what you're reading. He's not saying anything concrete. So it's not you, you couldn't put this as he's reporting this is a decision. It says will likely move on, probably release. So those are his opinions. So if you know that this is a reporter's opinion, it's on you to take it for what it's worth, right? Take it at whatever value you're, you're going to give it. it. How high of a regard do you hold Matt Schneidman's opinion? I think we've said before, we hold that in pretty high regard. He's kind of plugged in. So if right. he's going to have an opinion on something, it's probably rooted in some, you know, factual basis. But he, I, unless I'm wrong, it doesn't look like Matt Schneidman has reported anything officially. So I don't know what everyone's getting all in their feelings about. <laughs> so, yeah, basically, let's let's back up to when we first covered this three days ago. The way we reported on it, I guess you could say, or or got in here and had a couple daddy sodas and had a football conversation about it, was Matt Schneidman's plugged in, right? He talked about Jair Alexander and there being a problem. People raked them over the coals, okay? As they raked them over the coals, uh, less than a week later or maybe a week and a half later, somewhere around there. It was within one to two weeks of him writing the article. And he said, might want to bookmark that one. Lo and behold, Jair Alexander gets suspended. Yep. So the point of the story there, Matt Schneidman's plugged in. He said it. It wasn't popular. It ended up being accurate. There was something really, really bad going on behind the scenes. Hopefully that's all behind us. I think we would all agree that that's what we want. And I think that Jair responded really well. I love how Matt. Uh, Matt LaFleur approached it. I love how Goody approached it. Feels like that's behind us. I'm just pointing out the credibility that does come with Matt Schneidman, right? Yep. I don't think he's one of those guys that is just going to fire from the hip and say something. But the point of this situation for me is he didn't say specifically they're going to move on from him. This is his opinion, right? Exactly. We'll probably release a clear-cut future Packer Hall of Fame. So in his opinion, he thinks they're going to cut bait right that's what it sounds like an well, opinion he's willing to share considering his reputation like you said exactly. right? why would he why would he put that out there if he thought there was no merit to it right it tells me that he heard somewhere close or at least he's just taken the information that he's had access to all year long multiple years now and said you know this kind of feels like they're going to move on from Bach. i don't think there's anything wrong with that first and foremost right yep. so this is where it gets weird for me though Dov, Dove, Dave, whatever you want to call him, <laughs> right? Um, he tweets out. He tweets out. The Packers are expected to release all pro tackle David Bakhtiari soon, per the Athletic. He didn't say per Matt Schnob, and he said per the Athletic. Should the Jets pick him up? Question mark. Okay, so <laughs> let's let's hit time out there. Oh, it Dove, 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 whoever, um, whatever, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah, the over under is set at six on how many times we're going to play the Snoop Dogg drop tonight. I promise you. <laughs> um, so, the did he do anything wrong here? First of all, if he had said Matt Schneiden said it, I go, oh, okay, yeah, that's a little bit off base because he didn't say. They're expected to release him. He just said he thinks they're going to release him, right? And this is where you're getting into splitting hairs. It's really silly when you think about it. Oh, but, that's all strategic, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and watch him. The reason he take the athletic and not not Schneidman specifically. Bingo, bingo. So, with that being said, Bach has entered the chat. <laughs> so David Bakhtiari jumps in and says he quote tweets Matt Schneidman, who was quote tweeting or sharing the image of Dov Dov Kleiman. And what's hilarious about this is Dov Kleiman has actually blocked Matt Schneidman some time ago. So this tells me that Matt Schneidman either used a burner or got someone to screenshot this, which is absolutely hilarious to me too. Um, so this this tweet is now three deep, and David Bakhtiari quote tweets Matt Schneidman, who essentially quote tweeted Dov Kleiman and said, if I get fired because of this, I blame you, talking about Matt Schneidman. <laughs> Bro, I was crying when I seen that tweet. I was like, only Bach, only Bach could go this route, man, right? And, you know, I'll tell you this, it kind of gave me it gave me a little bit more hope that Bach may return because for him, like, the whole approach, if I get fired because of this, I'm blaming you. Yeah, he's just laughing it off, really. I love it, dude. Absolutely love it. 
What, I bet you Bach's reaction was, who? <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> what do you think about Bach's reaction, Tim? Oh, I love it. It's it's Big Dave being Big Dave, right? I mean, come on. I was I was waiting for this. We talked about this a couple of days ago that uh, we haven't uh, <laughs> we haven't really heard uh, much from from Bakhtiari in, in the Twitterverse, and then lo and behold, we get we get this gem today. So uh, it's good to see that Box still keeping his ear to the to the radar here, and uh, I think it's just classic. I mean. I'm not reading anything into this. And I think that's what I'm getting from Bakhtiari's kind of, you know, tongue in cheek response. You know, if I get fired because of this, I blame you. You know, if you, if you take that seriously, you do not know David Bakhtiari at all. <laughs> there was immediately people jumping in the tweet too and going, please don't leave Bach. We need you. And it's like, like Bach sitting over kicked up, having a daddy soda laughing his rear end off. And everybody else was like, everybody <laughs> so anyway, Ron in the chat says, Matt Schneidman have, has every right to an opinion. How we read his opinion is our choice, but we do trust that he has some insider information. I think that's pretty well said there, Ron. I agree with that, buddy. Um, now, for, for those who don't know who Dob Dove 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 is, right? This is hilarious. Who going through the tweet? We're up to three now. Going through the tweet there, I just I had to dive into Matt Schneidman's tweet there from six hours ago, and I had to look at the comments and go, let's see what the comments are like in here, right? I just had to. I had too much free time on my hands tonight, and I found this little ditty in there. Randy Snorton. All right, sounds like a yeah. Sounds like a cocaine-addicted wrestler, right? Randy Snorton. Uh, <laughs> he says, how did Dov just skirt past the hacking allegations? Now, some people would read that and go, what are you talking about hacking allegations? Yes, ladies and gentlemen, there were allegations that Dov had hacked another podcast's Twitter handle, all right? So I remember, you know, talking about this with other Packer fans at the time and, and just kind of, you know, having a brief conversation about it. I've actually got the video here. I'm going to play this video and I want to warn everyone, warning, warning, warning. If you've got kids in the room, get them out of the room, put your earbuds in. If they're in the car, change the podcast. You're going to hear some colorful language with this video. It's about eight minutes long. And this is from a Twitter account. I think they're called the game day NFL. OK, and they got like 30 some thousand followers. And essentially, they're just they're out there on Twitter tweeting out content and stuff, obviously, around the NFL. So their Twitter account got hacked and there was a bunch of like borderline racist race baiting type stuff that was going on their Twitter account. And they kept apologizing going, guys, we don't know how this keeps happening. Somebody keeps hacking our account. We can't figure out who it is. Right. This video shows you they found out who it was. Now, again. Please, please, please. There's language here. There's nothing I can do about it. We don't have a beep button. All right. So just be prepared. And the YouTube video will be marked inappropriate for children. All right. So if you got kids, final warning, and you don't want to hear uh, some bad words here, it's coming. All right. Here we go. The biggest fucking loser on the planet. Something we finally need to tell our fans about and the people who follow the Game Day NFL. It's big news. This is big news. For it's a crazy. while there, the Game Day NFL was replying to a bunch of big name accounts on Twitter, JPA football, ML football, a lot of reporters and, and accounts that Actually, like to give news. The people listening at home, you know, the Caps Off podcast brought to you by the Game Day. And we are some of the people that are active on that Game Day NFL account. And it made us look really bad. The Game Day NFL was replying to all these people with like really heinous shit. I was actually fucked like up. Like attacking. They were calling like people racist. Saying that like you're a loser. You just like sit at home and just post stuff for clicks. For a while, this was happening and we had no idea who this was. I was having it for a minute and there would be nights where there would be like a hundred tweets from the game day nfl account that was all from this person who had like hacked the account and the bad part is is that at first it was directed towards jpa football which is a cool account but we've spoken to jpa we know he's a cool guy like we have no beef with him and then it started he started attacking guys like jordan schultz who's been on the pod many times yeah we're friend like we're very friendly with him so it was bad it happened like a year ago where our account attacked like ml football and then it stopped and then it started happening again like a few months ago not to mention after this started happening we conducted like an internal investigation with our team because we're like yo somebody is just mad at these accounts it's within our Team. We changed the password like six different times. Limited access between like only like us and then this other Steph who managed the account at the time. That was it. So we knew who had the accounts. We changed them like a million times, yet this thing was still happening. So maybe someone's thinking it's a third party account. Someone's using a third party account. You go on settings on, on Twitter and you can see the other platforms that have access to your account. So we disabled everything, right? So like literally nothing could have access to our account. So leads me to the night. The Cowboys are playing the Seahawks on Thursday night football. I'm tuned in. Obviously, my team's playing. Then I get a message from somebody who's like, hey, 
hey, I just got attacked by the Game Day NFL account, and I know that you, you guys work over there. You know what's going on? It doesn't seem like it's you guys. It seems like someone, like, has hacked your account. Like it's not the a, way that we usually tweet yeah, or talk. He's like, or... I have a feeling I know who it is. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> That's interesting because we've been trying to figure this out for a while. We've done an internal investigation we, at we this point. We just gave up. We just kind of gave up. We're like, we're just going to have to delete the tweets after they happen. But keep in mind, like, somebody's nice. There were, like, 150 tweets. It was impossible yeah. to delete everything. And it was copy and paste every time. It was as if someone was just sitting from behind and just copy, paste, copy, paste, right. copy, paste. Attack, attack, attack. We have so many receipts, too. Jordan Schultz is sick and wants free engagement, so he plays down because he wants free money from Elon. He should be unfollowed. Oh, my God. We would never say that to Jordan. Look how much irrelevant stuff he posts and all the true or false. He seems desperate. That's also to Jordan. We've worked with Jordan. Like This is coming from the Game Day NFL account, which has tens of thousands of followers, but this stuff just isn't on brand, obviously, and it just looks really bad, obviously, to the industry, who well, a lot of people are following. He's just a walking L who is desperate for views. To JPA football. You get the point. There's been a lot of childish tweets that have been sent out from the game day NFL towards other aggregators. Okay, continue. Thursday night football. So Thursday night football. So so I get a text and they say, I think I know who it is. Call me if you can. So I call this person and they say, yeah, I've been uh, following this happening for the past couple weeks. I saw that this doesn't line up with you guys. I know you guys. I know the people at the game day and the accounts that you guys have and like it just doesn't line up. And so because I've been following, uh, I have an idea of who it is. And then he goes and he says, it's Dove Kleiman. Who? At that point, we didn't have it confirmed. So, but why, why this is the biggest up? lead that we got so far. It's like somebody coming out and saying it. I'm eager to hear what, what's going on. So then he he really dives into the story and he says that Dove about a year before this had been caught. There was actually an article written on a Dove was using burner accounts to attack other aggregators. And then you know they did an investigation. They traced the IP addresses all back to Dove. So they found. <laughs> With Dove, they published a story and everything. And the language that were that was used in these burner accounts is the same exact language that our tweets were consisting of, right? It was literally like like you mentioned the, these tweets that we had on the Game Day NFL account were copy and pasted a million times. Same copy and paste tweets from these burner accounts that were traced to Dove previously. So fucking so, pathetic. What the fuck? He's like, so, he's like, so I'm pretty sure it's him. You need to find a way to confirm that you know, he has access to your account. Do you have any way he might have access to your account? I was like, dude, like we removed all third party apps and everything like that. He was like, it looks like. It could be through TweetDeck, which, by the way, does not exist anymore. When Twitter moved to X, they got rid of TweetDeck. But there's like a third-party Google Chrome extension. It's not an official Google Chrome extension that you can get from Google Chrome itself. You have to like code it into your system. So he's like, I've seen, uh, I've seen Dove Kleiman tweet screenshots of TweetDeck. What looks to be TweetDeck, it looks exactly like what TweetDeck used to be and what this extension supposedly is. And since it doesn't exist, it looks like he has this extension. So the only way to find out would be to code this extension in yourself and see if he's somehow connected to it. I was like, you know what? Fuck it, man. I got nothing to lose. So, meanwhile, you got a, you got a great Seahawks-Cowboys game. I got a great Seahawks-Cowboys, but I'm actually like tapped into this shit. This shit's exciting as fuck, bro. I feel like like James Bond or some shit. It, it's weird. I have to code it in and then I get the extension and then I have to like exit Chrome, restart the computer type shit, come back in and then TweetDeck. Now all of a sudden, the old version of TweetDeck works. Now I'm like, I'm in, right? I'm texting him. I'm like, yo, I'm in. So then I go into, I go into the settings. I go into permissions. There's two names. The first FF45. My name is Felipe Fontes. Of course. That's my burner I used to use for the tweet deck just so I could tweet from the game day NFL as an employee. And then the other account that was there as well. Da -da -da. Dove Climbing. Woo! <laughs> Give a little backstory as Dove and the Game Day's uh, relationship as to how that came about and why he'd have access to TweetDeck. I'm glad you mentioned that. So it's like, how the hell did he ever get access, right? So we figured it out. And the reason I was so confident when I had to go dig into this as well is because of this history. When the Game Day was first starting, they needed help on just tweeting from the account, like growing the Twitter, just growing the socials in general. And one of the strategies was, let's pay people with bigger followings to tweet from our account, to live tweet, to like- Twitter uh, takeovers. Twitter takeovers, right. In the primetime games, we would get people to do a Twitter takeover. So we had Dove do that, right? So then I go back into the history. I'm like, I think Dove probably did this for us once. I go back into our DMs, the game to NFL and Dove's DMs go all the way back to September 2020. And that's when the first exchange of the account was given. So this is before all of us were actually working here. And so... So there you go. There's pretty much the background. So they uncovered that Dove Climbing was the one that was logging into their Twitter account and tweeting racist stuff at other when i say racist he wasn't being racist i guess i mean technically he was being racist but he was essentially calling people racist under the game day account um that's seems to be who dove 
climbing is. So with that being said, why are we talking about that? It wraps all the way around to David Bakhtiari being tied up in this little petty feud on Twitter. I can't help but laugh because I'm like, Tim, where do these people get all this time, dude? Like, I got some advice for y'all. Take two weeks off, then quit. <laughs> it's just suave, man. And again, we come full circle. And uh, and and this right here, we'll just leave it with this one more time. Bach, if I get fired because of this, I blame you. Talking about Matt Schnobbin. So you got three tweets deep, a bunch of just random reporting, and we still know zero more information, right, Tim? Zero more. That's a heck of a phrase there, But, right? boy, is there a lot of engagement? Hey, here we are talking about it, right? That's right. So, in the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Just absolutely wild, man. Anyway, um, so go give Dove a follow. <laughs> This is what it sounds like when the dove cries. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely wild. So I, I thought it was cool that those boys exposed him, if indeed that was true. And, I mean, they seem to uncover everything. I will say this. I won't say too much about it, but the whole being able to track burner accounts, it's a real thing. And you guys would not believe who I have found using burner accounts trolling me on Twitter, and I'll just leave it at that. And uh, we'll leave it at that for a reason, too, because um, keep, because at the end of the day, I'm here to tell you right now, we don't care. Let me tell, right, let me tell you, <laughs> we don't care. Keep your friends close. Keep your enemies closer, right, type of thing. So, anyway, with that being said, if, if it's not them using the burner, they live very, very close to the other person. I'll just say that. So, um, Doug, Prince reference. Tim, well played. There you go. Anytime you can I knew someone would pick up on that, for sure. Absolutely, man. Um, by the way, I seen a video resurface the other day. You remember when Prince was set to do the uh, the Super Bowl halftime show, which he absolutely crushed it, obviously. Like, he crushed everything. Did you ever see the press conference leading up to it, Tim? Oh, man, years ago. So, they were – they brought in Prince – and they were going to do the Super Bowl halftime press conference where they come in and just talk to him and interview the artist. He showed up with his band and said, uh, all right, you know, any questions? And as soon as the reporter started to ask questions, they kicked the equipment on it, and they just played for like 15, 20 minutes and then walked off the stage. <laughs> Prince played by his own rules. Whether you liked his music or not, I know very, very, very few people who didn't like his music. I loved how he just didn't give a rip what anybody thought, man. Yep. He was going to be unapologetically himself. 
Uh, I always respect people like that for sure. Um, in a world full of uh, Dove Climbins, be a prince. All right, there you go. That's the. There you go. The, I like that quote. <laughs> or you know, we could go with uh, you know, call me Dove Climbin. You call me anything you want, but don't call me that. Exactly. All right. So we had, let's get into some Packers talk here. Although we were talking about Bakhtiari, nobody, you know, everybody calm down there. All right. Um, so earlier today, we were breaking down some of the potential free agents and someone had asked, what about Xavier McKinney? And we started uncovering some of his numbers and, and kind of, we, I, I kind of feel like we almost got talked into it, Tim. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, as we wrapped up the podcast, it's like 12 million is a lot of money. But you've, you, you're going to have to spend money at that safety position or high draft picks to get that safety position fixed, especially if you're going to be playing a single high where you're going to have someone that, you know, I'm not saying anyone in the, in the National Football League today is on Ed Reed's level, but you need a player that can have an impact similar, at least a, a certain percentage of what Ed Reed did playing single high in that old Ravens defense, right? That's 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 how a safety can impact a defense truly, right? When you're weak at that spot, I mean, it, you're talking about the last line of defense in the most open part of the field, being deep center field there, you know, that deep third safety. Um, it's it's absolutely crucial that you you get that right. So I, I'm not opposed to spending $12 million, moving the cap around the way you need to move it around. Obviously, if the news is true on Bach, it comes back to Bach, you're going to free up $20 million like that if, if indeed he's not returning. Um, but the, the deal will get restructured regardless. So when we dug into it, we were kind of looking at the PFF grades. We were looking at the fair market value or, yeah, the, the market value, if you will, um, of $12.5 million per for Xavier McKinney. And I said, let's dig a little deeper and look at the passer rating when targeted. So I went ahead and pulled that information up. And here are the safeties. And we, we use a, a couple of limitations here, um, you know, as far as like a minimal uh, targets. I think it was I think we settled on a minimum of 15 targets to make this list and we sorted it by passer rating when targeted, okay? Passer rating when targeted obviously meaning what was the quarterback's passer rating when they threw to a receiver that was being covered by these safeties. That's essentially what we're talking about here. So, we sorted it by that stat. When you go down the line, some of the names that we mentioned, first of all, Geno Stone, Tim, 7th on this list at 37.9. Absolutely amazing numbers there, right? And then if you climb on down here, we were looking for Xavier McKinney, right? He comes in at the 12 spot, 49.2. Pretty solid. Again, Xavier McKinney, in my opinion, a little bit better tackler than Geno Stone. We uncovered earlier, Tim, that that uh, obviously Geno Stone, his weakness is tackling, is in the run, the run fit, if you will. Um, not going to be a huge factor if you're going to play him deep third, although they still need to be able to tackle. There's no doubt about that. Ed Reed could tackle. I know that. <laughs> Some of the, the best cover safeties in the game could still, you know, step up in the box and make a tackle when they needed to. Um, but what's really cool here, you've got Rudy Ford 13th. And as we wrapped up the show, someone said, what about Rudy? Bring back Rudy, right? Tim, Rudy, man, he was solid, dude. You've seen the PFF grade, the coverage grade and everything. Uh, the the uh, What was it? Uh, I can't remember the exact statistic that PFF put out. They had a screen grab for it. And uh, just, uh, you know, graded out at one point, he had the highest cover grade amongst safeties in the entire league. His passer rating when targeted, 49.9. So, essentially, yeah, when you, when you break it. less snaps than McKinney also, and he's right there. Yeah, there you go, man. So, it's just interesting, right, to, to kind of look at that. You've got three of those potential players. Now, you're probably going, we're savage on this list. He is way in the basement, okay? We'll just leave it at that. But if you were to break it down here and look at it, Geno Stone, like I said, we had him at $6.5 per. Or you can go Xavier McKinney, 12 and a half per. Or Rudy Ford, where his market value is somewhere, like, somewhere between 3 and $4 million, I think, the last time we checked. So, I, you know, it, it's funny. I went in and went, yeah, Xavier McKinney's numbers are good there, passer rating when targeted. But then I, I kind of stepped back and go, man, Geno Stone was significantly better. Rudy Ford right there with Xavier McKinney. Kind of feeling like, all right, Rudy Ford, let's bring him back. <laughs> we keep going full circle here, Tim. What do you think about this, though, man? As far as the money, I mean, you could basically get, if the market value is correct, and in the past, Spotrack has really done really, really well at predicting that, like we've talked about, you could get, Geno Stone at six and a half, and you could get Rudy Ford at roughly three million. That's nine and a half. You're still saving, you know, whatever thirteen or uh, yeah, what what would it be there? Three million, three to four million dollars 
on a, uh, not signing Xavier McKinney. What do you think about how, how these numbers shake out here, man? I mean, I think I like Geno Stone more than McKinney for sure. Yeah. But not as much as I like the idea of, you know, trying to keep Darnell Savage and go to, go to the draft and yeah. see what we can do. I mean, I, it's, it's tough, tough. It's, it's tough. tough. And I will tell you this, the 20 million that could be potentially freed up from the Bakhtiari uh, deal is going to disappear very quickly. And as it should be, you know, you don't free up that kind of money to just let it sit and not go after these guys. You got to mm-hmm. get better. Um, yeah. I see you pop that one up. I was thinking the same thing, but you know, I'm, I'm with Doug here telling you boys, keep Sav better deal than drafting or bringing someone in. So I'm like halfway there with you, Doug. I'm, I'm saying, let's do both. I'm saying, let's keep Sav better deal and let's go to the draft and let's look at, can we get someone on the bottom end, maybe a free agency, or do we look at, you know, the free agents we have hanging around here? Do we look at keeping a J.O.? Do we look at keeping Rudy Ford, Savage? Then you've got Ant Johnson Jr. And do we have, you know, um, Tyler Newbin in the fold after the draft? You know what I mean? I, yeah. I kind of like that that approach as opposed to like, you know, let's cut Bach, free up the cap and go go spend it on free agents right away. You know what I mean? That's just yeah. kind of my, my approach. And another one, too, Alohi Gilman. People are looking at this list and going, where's Alohi Gilman at? He actually ranked 14th with a passer rating when targeted at 60.3. Okay, Darnell Savage was at 109.4. He was 73rd. And here's the thing, too. Where did Savage play in this defense last year? Many people still don't understand that the Packers, they played the majority of the time single high they didn't play too high shell like most fangio defenses do right they played that that single high that we talked about savage wasn't the safety playing single high right he was he was when he was healthy he was the one rotating in the box think about the pick six right think about the pick six against dallas think about the dropped interception against the 49ers he was the guy most of the time rotating into the box and i mentioned that because when rudy ford is healthy not that he was during that time because obviously Rudy Ford only had 328 coverage snaps this year, significantly less than the other guys we're talking about. Um, when Rudy Ford's in the lineup and they're playing single high, he's the deep middle safety. So yep. this whole idea that, hey, Savage is going to be that deep safety, it could be the case, but that's not what they've seen in him, not what they where they have been playing him. And they've already been playing single high. They haven't been playing too high. So just something to kind of keep her – Keep our eye on there. Um, but as far as Alohi Gilman, like I said, significantly lower passer rating when targeted, but obviously better against the run with that higher PFF grade. I'm saying go the cheaper route. If I was the GM, if I was the general manager, and hey, all right, Clayton, you got to make the decision here. What I would do is I would I would go get um, Alohi Gilman at 2.7 million. I would get Geno Stone at 6.5 million. I would not bring Savage back. I would bring those two safeties back, and then I would try to draft two safeties as well, at least one, possibly two. If you can get both Newbin, and now think of that safety room, especially if you're going to go to a hybrid three-safety approach from time to time in those early 11 or early 10 personnel that you may face in the NFL, right? So that's that's kind of how I'm seeing it. Uh, I, I can understand the argument for Savage. I get it. He finished kind of strong there at the end of the year, still graded out you know, overall in the, in the 60s or whatever it was that he finished the season, but – um, definitely rebounded from the year before. And and you've also got to keep in mind that when he played under Mike Pettin, that's when he, his grades were a lot better. He had his best career year there under Mike Pettin, although this defense isn't necessarily going to be Mike Pettin's defense. It's going to be more along the lines of a Robert Sala, a D'Amico Ryans, maybe even a little Steve Wilkes, although it's obvious that Kyle Shanahan didn't like the way Steve Wilkes was calling the game because he fired him after making it to the Super Bowl. So yeah. uh, I think we're all saying the same thing, though in a sense, like we kind of are, have our own opinions on the specific players or pieces, but yeah. I think we're all in agreement that we want to be frugal with our money right. and we want to load that safety room up with as much talent as we can and let training camp preseason, let, let the chips fall where they may and let's find out who that single high dude's going to be. And, yeah. and the, the best way to do that is to put a, put a lot of talent in that room and uh, let it sort itself out on the field and, and with the staff, you know, figuring out who they want 
uh, in the scheme um, rather than being in a position where you feel like you do have to throw a ton of money at one person and feel like they're going to just come in and fill that role. You know, we, that role may define itself um, as we go through training camp and uh, you know, the preseason process. Yeah, for sure, man. I'm going to go to the chat real quick here and see what we've got. Uh, First of all, earlier, Doug said, I must've missed a free beer. There you go. (laughs) I'm early. Stay late, my man. Um, Let's see here. I'm getting, getting the chat cleaned up from the Dov. Uh, <laughs> comments here. Love me a good media slash player feud is what SDM 40 said. You got to love it, right? Um, <laughs> we already put out what Box said there. All right, here we go. Now we're getting into this stuff. SDM 40 said, easiest way to run single high is to have an Earl Thomas type and they don't grow on trees. It's so true, man. You thought That's you kind of had one in Darnell Savage early on because he's got all the physical ability, right? But there's just something missing there as far as the reaction time and this and that like you know the interception he did a good job baiting um did a good job baiting Dak Prescott in that throw obviously they were in a trips look they were running kind of like a a tosser uh passing concept and uh you could see Savage kind of peeked in on the in the the receiver that was inside the most and then jumped back out and picked the ball off them playing that zone defense allowed him to read the quarterback's eyes too but uh they're just so few and far between the plays that he makes you know I know he's had a couple of pick sixes in the last two years, though. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's see. Randy Cleaver's in the chat says, bring back Rudy Ford. Um, I would be okay with that for sure. Um, although there is someone else here who mentions in the chat. I think it's Peter Stone. This is a great point here about Peter Stone. He said, Xavier, 24 years old. How old are Ford and Gino? Um, Gino's fairly young. I can't remember his exact age. Do you remember what that was, Tim? Wasn't it like 26? 26. And yeah, I think Rudy's 28. Yeah, Rudy's definitely 28. He's going to be 29 this coming football season. So, um, yeah, if you bring back Rudy, it's going to be a one-year, somewhat of a minimal deal, right, that type of thing. Um, going to be interesting, though, see how this all unfolds. And, again, we should start getting some information coming down the pike here at least by by Monday evening because you're going to creep up on that deadline for like contracts like Keyshawn Nixon. And obviously uh, you're getting into that, that period where the transition and the franchise tags are going to be applied, all that good stuff. I think I'm pretty sure that starts Monday. We've covered so many dates. It's hard for me to keep up. Let me just double check here real quick. Yeah. February 20th, beginning this date uh, through 4 PM New York time um, uh, on March 5th clubs may designate franchise or transition players. So that'll start rolling in on uh, Monday. We'll, We'll get to see, um, you know, they got until March 5th, to obviously finalize it, but I kind of feel like if they're going to franchise tag Antoine Winfield down there in Tampa Bay, it'll probably happen pretty soon. I would imagine. So, um, look for that information to come down to pot too. Uh, let's see here. What else we got? Peter Stone said, um, in my opinion, that would be Malik Mustafa in the draft SDM 40. So he's, he's big on Malik Mustafa. That's another name that I feel like Jake's talked about a lot for sure. Yep. Um, Doug in the chat says, I'm a stand for Savage and Dylan. I could see Dylan being a hybrid fullback slash uh, fullback slash tight end here. He's a Packer. You can't say that about 90% of the guys we got here. I don't know if I could see him at tight end, to be honest with you. I could see him playing a little fullback, um, but it's just we're kind of phasing that fullback out of this offense, right? It seems like we're going with more of the 12 in line, the 12 nasty bunch, all that type of stuff um, is kind of it's kind of the approach that Matt's taking here. I don't I don't think you're seeing any of that San Francisco type stuff. It could change. We'll see. Uh, Randy Cleaver says we're already we are already bringing Savage back. You sure about that? <laughs> Nothing official, but it does kind of feel like like we talked about, you know, some of the stuff that's that's uh that's been mentioned and everything. It, it does kind of feel like they're leaning toward bringing Savage back. We know what the front office thinks about it, man. They're big on him. There's no doubt about that. Yep. Uh Peter Stone uh, thank you, Clayton and Tim, for the information on Xavier. You're very welcome, buddy. Thank you for bringing it up earlier, man. It, it kind of got our uh, our gears turning a little bit. Again, I'd be okay with any of those scenarios, Tim. I really would, man. Yep. So got to get it straightened out one way or another, though, no doubt about that. Um, Tim, is there anything else you want to hit on before we do our little history segment here, man? Uh, no. No, I'm good. I you think, don't you uh, have anything else to say about Dove? Any, anything, anything there? <laughs> I, I'm giggling because – Tim hates this stuff. Tim, am I who? You hate this type of talk, don't you? I just, you know, t- like let's just be real. Twitter's high school, you know, and I'm I'm a little Middle old for high school, you know, and I feel like a lot of it is exactly, you know, you're gonna get it when you're on there, but there's so much good information out there. I just feel like a lot of times this stuff just kind of gets it. It's distracting from 
when you're trying to find real info. Um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of the, um, you know, the gossip and the clickbaity. I'm doing stuff. I'm being controversial for engagement kind of stuff. I'm just, I try to steer away from that. And um, like I said, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. I'll say that because somewhere in here, we're going to get actual reporting about the, uh, about what's going on. Right. It's probably going to be buried to it. <laughs> right. Right. And it's like, you know, you'd love to say, well, Hey, well, when we, when we see it on the Packers site or we hear it officially from the team and we know it's news, but it's like, that's kind of naive because we know that we'll hear, you know, days before we'll see it on an official website, you know, that's just how stories break and it's, kind of comes with the territory. So it really is. It's up to us as the, you know, the people consuming this content to um, really like look at what we're looking at and find out, you know, what's opinion and what's fact. It's okay for people to have opinion and it's okay for you to value other people's opinions higher than other people's. That's totally fine. But I just, I, I try to stay away from the, uh, you know, the clickbaity kind of stuff. And I understand what aggregates are trying to do. They're trying to make it easier on, on the average person to get information um, you know, but the problem is when you do that, you, there's no, um, there's no context. You're just getting hammered with this stuff constantly. So, um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of the, the doves and the dobs or whoever, I don't know. Who? Exactly. Do we get All six? Right. Is that six now? Are we, do we hit the over? I think we did <laughs> hit the over. So congratulations. Whoever put that bet in at bet us uh by the way which are the official sports sports book of packers total access live appreciate them jumping on board with us if you guys are going to put any action on basketball this offseason um baseball be around the corner as well i enjoy a lot of live betting that's the stuff that i really get into sit down and catch a catch a little glimpse of the game and get into a little live betting i i have a lot of fun with that but if you guys decide to do that click on the link in the description of this video that will send you directly to bet us and by using that link, it lets them know that we sent you to them. You can register for free on their website. You don't have to spend a dime. And it also lets them know, hey, Packers Total Access Live sent this potential customer to us. So that helps us out in that regard. And if you want to put some action on the game, just remember, always gamble responsibly. Don't, don't bet a single dime that you can't afford to lose. That's always my rule of thumb. That's BetUS, the official sports book of Packers Total Access Live, America's favorite sports book, now celebrating their 30th year in business. We appreciate them. So, Tim, let's do this, man. One thing that we do like to cover on this pod is Packers history, especially in the offseason. We got a, a really good one keyed up here. Obviously, we just finished episode one of the uh, Packers Legacy documentary that you can find for free on their YouTube channel. Make sure you go give it a like. Share it on Twitter. Get this video, this this whole video series out to other Packer fans who haven't seen it because it's an absolute gem. So we're going to pick up now, starting with the 1930s, and uh, we're going to get into some really good stuff here. I took a few notes. Um, you know, we kind of wrapped up there with the 1929 championship in this episode. They're going to be building off a of 1929. What I love about this episode here, Tim, it really ties in the unique bond that that Green Bay and the Packers and the people of Green Bay have with something called booze, all right? And it, it's just a lot of fun watching this episode, man. You guys know, anybody who's been to Green Bay, Wisconsin, they know how to brew beer up there. Um, they know how they know how to keep beer stocked. Uh, I'll tell you that, man. Uh, one of the best beers to this day, probably my favorite beer, is New Glarus, Spotted Cow. Oh, my God, man. It's I, I absolutely love it. And I, I was told it was a cream ale. It just tasted like heaven to me. But uh, you go to Wisconsin in the middle of winter, they know how to eat and they know how to drink. And uh, it's been going on for a very, very, very long time. You'll hear a connection there on this and uh, talking about some prohibition raids and things like that. Uh, Johnny Blood, uh, the respect he gained for the city of Green Bay and how they handle the prohibition ra raids. It's just it's a lot of stuff, man. And uh, we'll just kind of get into their connection with the uh, the fans in Green Bay and how everything just kind of clicked and continues to click. Uh, so many years later. So let's yeah. check it out. Let's kick off the 1930s here. Just a quick little segment from the Packers Legacy documentary. And uh, let's see what's going on. Franchises such as the Packers, which represent small communities and have had a rich history between the team, the players, the coaches, the administrators and the community that's that's priceless this town 
may not be in New York City, it may not be Philadelphia or Chicago. These worldly cities, they may think they're better than Green Bay, Wisconsin, but when it comes to football, not so much. It cannot just be about bigness and size. It's got to be about merit, talent, innovation, change, and competition. And in many ways, that's what Green Bay represents. That strong link, that strong sense of identity, that this football team is part of this community. In Green Bay, people care about the Packers. How can you not love a small city team competing with the biggest cities throughout the country, not only competing, but excelling? Valentine's Day, 1930. The Fox Theater opens in downtown Green Bay. More than 5,000 people stand in line anxious to view scenes from the Packers' fall victory over the New York Giants en route to their first NFL championship. Certainly their biggest game in the 1920s, one of their biggest games ever. 1929, what did they give up? 22 points the entire season? So you just didn't score on the Packers that year. There were enough folks back then who believed in them, who wanted them to survive. The Green Bay fans love their Packers. And of course, a good time. Liquor flowed freely in Green Bay. Prohibition was practically non-existent here. It's always been a bibulous community, and particularly during Prohibition. There were a number of stills that were set up right in the community. There was 15,000 gallons of mash in this little bitty house, and they figure that they were turning out about a 1,000 gallons of alcohol a day, and nobody saw anybody coming and going? Really? Really? Okay. You gotta understand that they didn't have the communication ability that we have today. The only communication you had was word of mouth and telephone. Because of the way the telephone system worked at the time, the switchboard operators at the telephone company knew exactly what was going on. When the feds would call from Milwaukee to notify the local police that there was going to be a raid in Green Bay, by the time they got here, everything was gone. Johnny Blood said he fell in love with this city shortly after he got here because uh, there was a prohibition raid and they arrested all the barkeepers, but the federal prohibition agent is the one that ended up serving time and the bartenders all got off scot-free. One of the reasons why the mob didn't get a foothold into Green Bay was because Green Bay didn't need them. What do you think you are? I am! Illegal liquor because it was here. With a snub to prohibition, visiting teams and their fans found entertainment at every corner. Football fans, when they came to town, there were speakeasies all over the place that they could go to and celebrate and drink all weekend. Green Bay also had a thriving red light district on the north side of town. A favorite, uh -oh. an establishment called the Silver Slipper. It was built in 1928 as a speakeasy. You went through a trapdoor that was the old kitchen, and you went down, and it was about a six and a half foot clearance overhead. Then you went down two steps into the drinking room. It had six bedrooms upstairs. The girls entertained people up there. This has been party town since, since the beginning. Certainly hasn't hurt the Packers. Johnny Blood was playing for the Pottsville Maroons in the, uh, Pennsylvania in the NFL. Curly Lambeau is highly enamored of Johnny's talents. He sent a note to Johnny following the 1928 season. He said, Dear John, if you'll join the Green Bay Packers for the 1929 NFL season, I will pay you $100 a game. If you do not drink after Wednesday night before each game, I'll pay you $110 a game. Johnny wrote back and said, I'll take the 100. <laughs> that was one of the things about out-of-town teams coming to Green Bay was that they knew they were going to be able to have a good time. Packers players are staples in the community. Almost all the players stayed at the Astor Hotel. The single players for sure. They only needed a place to stay for a couple months. They devour all-you-can-eat meals at the YWCA for the sum of 75 cents. Go to movies at the Orpheum and attend church on Sunday. Green Bay, it was a, a special place, a unique place, and uh, you could always feel how, how special it was to be there for a game and how important football was to the community. There's a much more intimate relationship between 
the players and the townspeople. And that relationship consists of not only being in a bar with them, but uh, seeing them in the grocery store, seeing them downtown, seeing them all over the place. People left them alone. They weren't all looking for autographs and things like that. I don't think you can find a better place in the world to live at. Play football. All the people in the city certainly uh, knew you, observed you, uh, would speak to you, except uh, when the bears would beat you, then we always walk down the alleys. And you might find somebody there to speak to you. Packers got an awful lot of publicity. And Calhoun had something to do with that. He was not only the sports writer that was covering the team, but he was also serving as the PR man for the Packers. George Calhoun would entertain the visiting writers who came to Green Bay. It was almost like a salon the day before, or two days before, whenever they got to town. Calhoun also takes the show on the road. And when he'd go to places like New York and Chicago, um, rather than go around and make the rounds of the, the newspaper offices, he'd invite all the sports writers to his hotel room. George would set up in a hotel room with a bathtub full of beer. And these reporters would come by, shoot the breeze with George, and learn about the Packers. It is crucial to the Packers' survival that they draw big in the NFL's biggest cities. Time and time again, Lambeau would talk about how critical it was for the Packers to field a good team, a competitive team, that could uh, beat these big city teams because what was most important to their survival or at the gate anyway, was drawing well on the road. Even as a small city, Green Bay carries some luxuries. Opening as the largest hotel in Wisconsin, away teams are hosted at the Hotel Northland. The visiting teams at that time dressed at the Northland Hotel and then took city buses to City Stadium. The... All right, so there you go, oh, man. One of my favorite scenes right there, one of my favorite segments, Tim. Um, it's a pretty quick bus ride from the Northland over to City Stadium. Not too absolutely. bad. And, Love you know, the, the Northland, I had the opportunity to go there when we were in Green Bay this past uh, the the year, the season before last in December. Um, we booked dinner reservations there. And I'm going to tell you something. It is unbelievable. It was a hotel Northland for so long. It got closed down. It became Section 8 housing, like government housing. And they said that it got ran down really bad, um, just a, just one of the rougher parts of town at the time. Um, so they closed it down, condemned it. An investment group bought the building and they restored it into the Hotel Northland um, again. And they've got a restaurant in there called the Walnut Room. And it used to be that room that the restaurant is in was called the Walnut Room back in the day. And we had dinner there. It was fantastic. A little bit pricey. You want to take a lady friend? to a nice dinner and, and, you know, and spend a little bit of money on it. It's just a phenomenal place. Uh, I have one or two daddy sodas and a couple of whiskeys and, <laughs> you know, we're waiting on the old Uber driver and Mandy had to wake me up. I was asleep on one of the really nice sofas, a, a real, <laughs> uh, uh, really nice. So uh, not sofas, what do they call? I guess lounges. Yeah. She woke me up. Clayton Uber's here. Get up. I was asleep, bro. <laughs> that place was phenomenal though, man. On a cold, cold December night, a little bit of snow flying, going over there and grabbing dinner and just knowing that the greats were there. They, they talked about how Lombardi, Vince Lombardi used the upstairs ballroom for his meeting rooms from time to time. Um, just really, really, really cool setup there, man, for sure. Look, let's go to the chat. For, well, go ahead, Tim. What's your thoughts on that, man? Any, anything to that? That spring any thoughts on you, man. That's that whole segment was unbelievable from prohibition to the hotel Northland to everything, man. You know, a lot of what, what was said there is still true to this day. You know, um, a town where uh you will see players, you will see uh coaching staff out and about. You might be at the grocery store. I ran into Joe Barry at the grocery store last year, and uh it's still true, you know, for the most part, at least from what I've experienced, nobody Nobody freaks out or, you know, hounds these these players or staff for autographs or anything. You know, it's just a simple hello or a go pack go or a thank you. And um, it's it's truly unique, this town and the, and the connection between the community and the team is just uh, it's still there. It's uh, as prevalent, if not more prevalent than it was, you know, even back then. And uh, of course, yeah, there's uh, still plenty of bars and churches here in Green Bay. So you're never uh, <laughs> Never short on a on a watering hole and a place to go 
pray for forgiveness the next day. So uh, <laughs> it's still a lot of that old charm and everything. It's it's still very much the same same place. It's it's awesome. And uh, yeah, shout out to the the Hotel Northland man, phenomenal job on that remodel. Um, they held true to a lot of the uh, aesthetic of the original um, hotel when they did do the the remodeling. And uh, yeah, man, maybe a little pricey, but totally worth it. Every oh, every nickel, man. Great great place to stay and. Uh, grab a meal and uh, absorb some of that uh, Packers history. Um, you're really close to uh, the Heritage Trail, um, mm-hmm. stops on the Heritage Trail there, and uh, just a great place to check out if you're in town. Uh, a lot of people make that mistake. They'll, they'll do Lambeau Field and they'll do the Hall of Fame and, you know, Title Town, which is great. You got to do that, but you got to get east of the river and get downtown and really, really yeah. see the history. That's the old stomping grounds of the original Packers. That's the side of the river where, like we talked about, you know, Hegemaster Park uh, was, um, Bellevue Park, they played there for a couple of years. Then City Stadium is where East Green Bay High still plays today. It's where the 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 real history, the the true founding of the Green Bay Packers, Curly Lambeau growing up right there on that side of town. You can actually stay at his house, his childhood home. Um, so many cool things over there. And I'm telling you, we went to a Christmas village just on the west bank of the river it was phenomenal. We went shopping over there on the East Bank where they've got the, the nice trees and the lights set up there right on the water. It was colder than I can. <laughs> I mean, it was uh, it was perfect. Snow flying, bundled up, go to the Hotel Northland, grab some good dinner. Um, like I said, a couple of daddy's sodas. One other thing they've got really cool is you're walking out of the lobby. You got the handrail that goes down at the top of the handrail. They've got a mock version of um basically it's like a model version if you will of vince lombardi's fedora that he wore right like his hat that he wore and it's like bronze or something there right at the bottom of the stage it's really cool they just they did a great job kind of paying respects to the history of the uh of the green bay packers for sure let's go to the chat and we'll wrap this thing up sdm 40 says wisconsin kids weren't allowed in drinking games on spring break not that i'm bragging you know how to dream and there's no doubt about it AFAM Roth says the Northwoods was the place to be during Prohibition. I love how he said the uh, the mob never got their foothold in Green Bay because we didn't need them. Like they we didn't need them. Booze was already here. What about the house, Tim? Uh, somebody I already believe oh, yeah. that. They said they were running over what was it, over ten to fifteen thousand thousands of gallons of booze out of that house in one day. A little small house. The feds show up and everything's gone. They're like. Where's you know, and it was because the phone operators were getting word, hey, the feds are coming up, and they're they're letting the local police know, hey, we're coming up there to raid. So they would spread the word across town, get all the booze out of the house, they'd show up. And did you hear too? They made those arrests on the people that were making the illegal, you know, alcohol. And at the end of the day, the only person that served time was the federal agent that tried to do the bust. <laughs> so it's like the town and everybody turned on him. You love it, man. You love to see it. Uh, let's see. Chewy in the chat says, or here in the Appalachian. Appalachians can, uh, we're, we're moonshine country down here, Tim. Um, <laughs> you got to steal, you got to steal in every holler down here in Tennessee and Kentucky, man, down here on the Appalachian chain. But, uh, again, I, Wisconsin's got my heart, man. I, I, I will not be surprised one bit if I end up when it's all said and done, end up living up there just to wind it down. You know what I'm saying? But SDM 40 says we're a bunch of cheaters and bootleggers. <laughs> Jen Wright said this history story is amazing. So much more love and respect for the team. I love it is a phenomenal series. No doubt about it. You guys go share it. Go share it. Let's let's what I want the Packers to do. I want them, whoever's running their YouTube page to look up and go, whoa, this documentary just took off. You know what I mean? Let's yep. keep spreading the word because I'm telling you, it should it should have millions of views. It should with all the Packer fans across the world. When I stumbled onto it, I was mad. I was like, how come nobody told me about this documentary? This is right down my alley. Uh, Randy in the chat says, this documentary is amazing. Respect for the Packers. Love it. Uh, let's see. Jen Wright says, can't wait for the next segment. Me too, man. I'm, ar- I'm already kind of looking ahead, Jen. I'm, I'm fired up about the next one too, because when you get into the 30s and 40s, it gets really colorful. It's it's a lot of fun. SDM40 said, I saw McCarthy at Target pushing a shopping a shopping cart with his girls raising hell behind him. I just smiled. Everyone gave him his space. Uh, that's all. Awesome. Yeah. Jen Wright says, Green Bay is a great place to live. Lived in De Pere for a year and loved it. Yeah. It's uh, De Pere is beautiful. Beautiful. Beautiful area just, just south of, of Green Bay. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt about it. All right, let's get out of here, Tim. Parting thoughts, buddy. Go Pack Go.
proud to be yeah. a Packer fan, right? You, you can't, you can't help, but just smile and know that you're, you know, you're cheering for the greatest franchise in the history of pro sports. And it's just, it's yeah. phenomenal, man. I love it. Glad to be a part of this too, man. It, it truly is. It's better sharing it with the, the posse with you, you know, and uh, getting to have these moments. This is what the off season's all about. You know, we, we took care of the, uh, the rumor mill <laughs> nice and early and uh, got to the fun stuff. I love it, man. Yeah. Can't wait to do more. I hope we got a little laugh out of that rumor mill thing. That was the point, you know, like but let's, let's pause everyday life for just a second and go over to Twitter and look at these knuckleheads over here. There's what's going on on Twitter and then come back to reality and, and put it in check with some history. But um, really we'll just wrap it up there, man, because nothing else needs to be said after that awesome history segment there. Again, guys go find it Packers legacy documentary, just type in Packers legacy on YouTube and go share it all over YouTube or all over Twitter and, uh, and make sure everybody, knows it's there in case someone doesn't because I'm telling you they're gonna thank you for it and obviously it'll get more uh more clicks and more views for the for the documentary on their YouTube channel too. So with that being said we're out of here. We may be back in the morning. Um just just kind of keep an eye out. We may go live in the morning. Um we may take the morning off. We'll see how we feel when we get to that point. But uh if we're not back for good morning Lambo in the morning then we'll definitely be back tomorrow evening. Although tomorrow's Monday probably we'll do a good morning Lambo. Just kind of Keep your ear to the streets, guys. If a, if a link pops up there on YouTube, you know we're going live. So appreciate everybody hanging out with us. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go pack up. The power sweep. Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense. Yes, a YN or a tight end to open up somewhere between six feet and nine feet. Get an isolation with the with the linebacker. On the tackle, take the defensive end if he's over him. If he's not, to drive down on the first man to his inside. YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. If the YN has the linebacker here, he comes all the way around. If you look at this play, what we're trying to get is a seal here, and a seal here, and try to run this play in the alley.